Today's shear was generously sponsored by Ayal and Galit Dahan in honor of their beautiful children. I thank you for taking time out of your day to be here for this shear. And I thought of a good framework for Rosh Kodesh shear is to really think about after the Yom Tovim, the high holidays are behind us, what are some of the themes that we ought to think about now that you're going into this season? And someone asked me in Shul a great question. They're like, if we're starting on Simcha Torah to read Reishi and we start right afterwards, shouldn't Rosh Hashanah have been then? Meaning if Rosh Hashanah talks about the creation of the human being, shouldn't we have started Reishit from then? So there's an idea that the Parsha always aligns itself with concepts that you're supposed to think about in this time. So what I did was I looked at the beginning of Sefer Reishit and I like to bring out some concepts that I think are really integral to this time of year and are just new thoughts, but they're important ones, I think, nonetheless, in terms of how we approach Bracious, Noah, all these Parshias right now. Stuff we can get from it, take it into our lives, and this season as we enter Cheshwan. Cheshwan, by the way, is the only Jewish month without a holiday. There's no fast day, there's no holiday, there's zero. Cheshwan is the only month. So the first thing I want to start with is the, the following concept, is we know that Og, Right, Og Melech Habashan, Og the king, uh, later on becomes king, but he's just a guy who keeps popping up. He's a giant who keeps popping up throughout the Torah. Right, anytime the Torah doesn't have a name for somebody, you look in the commentaries and it's like somehow it's Og. Now there's a tradition that Og was saved in the flood by existing strapped outside the boat. So the question is, why did Og make it? What did Og have that allowed this giant, this strange giant that appears throughout the Torah, what allowed him to survive? So I remember learning the following teaching, and it runs as follows. When Lot was kidnapped, a man went in, a palit went in to tell Avraham, you know, Lot's been kidnapped, we got to save him, or you got to do something. The one who warned him, according to Rashi, was Og. The one who warned him was Rashi. Now, his intentions might have been to get Avram out of the house so I could take Sarah. We don't know what his intentions were. But at the end of the day, he's the one who did the chesed of alerting Avraham. And because of the chesed of alerting Avraham, you see there was a schut within him. There was a, a chesed, there was a kindness, a goodness that was inside of him. Why does that make a difference? So listen to this thought from Chaim Shmulevitz. And this really is the framework of the world. We tend to think of the flood as a punishment. They did this, this, and that, punished the entire world, done. Rav Chaim says, what if it's not a punishment? What if it's not a punishment? Because literally, can you say everybody sinned? Every single person sinned? Maybe it's not a punishment. Rather, if you look at source number one, okay, by the way, don't be scared at all the Hebrew in this packet. I mainly did it also if you wanted to just have the source with you and you could look at it whenever. But the first source is from Tehillim. I said the world is built on kindness. It's built on chesed. What does that mean? So picture it like this. Picture the globe, earth, and you know the, like, the famous Atlas Shrugged image of the individual holding up the planet on his shoulder? Imagine that chesed is holding up the world. The world is built on chesed. So imagine you have this world built on chesed, and then as you chip away at chesed, what are you really destroying? You're destroying the very thing that holds the world up. And therefore, if the world can't sustain itself anymore, right? Imagine the beams and the pillars holding up the world are chesed, and you've been knocking at the pillars, knocking at the beams. The world can't hold up anymore. 
and it collapses in itself. It self-destructs. So says Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, the flood was not a punishment, it was a result. Olam chesed yibane, the world was built on chesed, and they took that all away. Once they took that away, it couldn't be sustained, it fell through. If that's the case, we now understand why Og survived. Og survived because there was a little bit of chesed within him. There was a little bit of chesed in him. Later on, not yet, in the future, he was going to help Avraham in his battle to save his relative. Right? Later on. By the way, that would explain why he's on the outside of the boat, not the inside. Inside, his intention was to get Sarah. On the outside, his intention was to help Avraham. So therefore, he survived, but outside the boat. Olam chesed I like this because it's a great framework. If you see the world as being built on chesed itself, it changes the dynamic of the world. So much so, I saw Dvar Torah for the first time. I noticed this Shabbos morning. Um, I've never seen it before. It's an incredible idea. Um, there's this famous yeshiva called Slobodka. There's now an offshoot of Slobodka nowadays in Yerushalayim. But the Slobodka yeshiva is one of the most famous yeshivas in the world in the 1800s. The altar of Slobodka, the altar of Kelm, were famous for their Musar. Their ethical speeches were the most famous in the world, influenced so many great thinkers. One of the great scholars of the yeshiva, his name was Rav Yitzchak Isaac Sher. If you look at source number two, he says something incredible. It's a sefer called Leket Sichas Musar. By the way, there's a random random coincidence. The Dvar Torah I told you first about Noah was Rab Chaim Shmulevitz. His sefer is called Sichas Musar. Not to be confused with this sefer, which is called Leket Sichat Musar. Two different svarim entirely. So says Rav Yitzchak Isaac Sher. Look at the top line. Admor Hishrishlanu Klal Gadol. Our Rebbe taught us a great klal, a rule. Adam Chayev Liyutzer Gan Eden Liatzmo Ula Acherem. It's such an incredible line. Let me unpack it for you. Okay? God put Adam and Eve in Gan Eden. Why did he put them in Gan Eden? Turn to the next page. The Gemara in Sota tells us, the Gemara in Sota tells us that God clothed Adam and Eve when they were naked. Right? He clothed Adam and Eve and at the end of the Torah, God himself buries Moshe. Says the Gemara, the Torah starts in Chesed and ends in Chesed. The, story, the, story, the Torah starts in Chesed and ends in Chesed. It begins with Hashem clothing Adam and Chava and it ends with God bearing Moshe Rabbeinu. If something starts and ends with something, it's telling you that's the message of the book. The message of the Torah is chesed. Because that's how the Torah begins and that's how the Torah starts. That's exactly the first of our Torah. Olam chesed yibane. The world is built in chesed. Look at the Medrash, source number four. Right? It says, V'shash amar Moshe liyisrael. And Moshe says to the Jewish people, Achrei Hashem elokechem telechu. You shall go after Hashem your God. Miuchul alechet v'drachem. How do you walk after God? You can't walk after God. What does that mean? But rather it means just like God's ways are ways of chesed and gemil chasadim, your ways have to be ways of chesed. You have to emulate God. I saw a great quote um, recently. The difference between you and God is God knows he's not you. Isn't that good, huh? <laughs> and then you and God is God knows he's not you. So the, the Tanchuma says, the mentor says, that how do you follow God? You create a world of chesed. 
Why am I setting this up for you? Now think about this. If everything God does is to teach us about how to bring chesed into the world, it changes why God made Gan Eden. We normally until today thought the reason God made Gan Eden was so that he can give a treat to Adam and Chava and we can bask in the glory and enjoy life. It's not right. Go back now to the first page and we can go back to that source. We've unpacked it. Admor, source number two. Admor Hishri Shlanu Kal Gadol. Our Rebbe taught us a great principle. Adam Mechuyev Leyatsor Gan Eden Laatzmo Ulach Your job is to create heaven for everyone. That's your job. You want to know why God made a Gan Eden at the beginning of the Torah? It's not even there anymore. We don't have access to it. It's because He's giving you an ideal. And that ideal is what you're supposed to bring to other people. It's an incredible idea. Your job is not to bring yourself paradise primarily, but your job is to bring Gan Eden to everybody, to make sure that others live that experience and whatever they need in life. Your job is to enable Gan Eden in the world. God created Gan Eden because you're Chayef to create a Gan Eden. And he continues, and he says, when Avram Avinu was sick, who took care of him? God took care of Avram Avinu when he was sick. Who is Marafe Cholim? Who's Rofe Cholim? Akadosh Baruch Who's Rofe Cholim? The idea being that you are supposed to emulate. You are supposed to create um, that kind of existence here in this world. There's another medrash. Look at source number five. Similar idea. We have to lalechet b'chol drachav. Goes top of page three. Follow in his ways. These are the ways of Hashem. What do you mean the ways of Hashem? Shenemar, Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum, Mechanun, He is compassionate, He is merciful, Erech Apayim, Rav Chesed, Viemes, He does Chesed, He's forgiving, He lets things go, No Se'avon, Upesha, He bears people's wrongdoings and says, I let it go, I let it go. Heich Efshar Lola Adam Likra Bishmoshal Akarish Barakhu. How does a person call upon the name of God? Elamaha Makom Nikrachum, meaning just as God is merciful, that's what you're going to make yourself as well. That's how you have God's name upon you. You have God's name upon you because you live the way God wants us to. You enact, you embody the way God wants us to in the way his whole life is. Keep going a little further. I put a little break so you could see it clear. I put a little space break. Dorshe Rishumos Omrim. I'm going to give you a nice shot here. You want to recognize the one who said, and there shall be a world? You want to get to know him, the one who created a world? Learn stories, the Gadata, meaning the famous stories of our tradition. You want to get to know God? Learn the stories of our tradition. Because through that, you recognize God, and you cling to his ways. Now stop for a minute. The question was, how do I get to know God? The answer is, study Agartha. Okay, meaning not just halacha, not just open up your wisdom to learn the stories of the Talmud and everything else. Why? Because through that, you'll recognize God and you'll cling to his ways. What do I take away from this medrash? The whole point of knowing God was for one reason. So that you could cling to his ways. Do you understand? The answer was a non sequitur. It doesn't follow. I want to know how to get to know God. So read a God to us so you can know God and cling to his ways. I didn't ask about clinging to his ways. I asked about knowing God. Why is it telling me so I could also cling to his ways? Because it's telling you the whole purpose of the Torah. The whole purpose of knowing Hashem. The whole purpose of studying religion is so you can cling to Hashem. You know, when people talk about, well, I need to know the why, Rabbi. What's the why? Why do we do this? So I believe the why is important. You saw Simon Sinek, his old book, Start With Why. 
that people do things when they understand and are motivated by the why. The why is critical. But Judaism is saying the main reason you need to know the why is because through understanding you will come to imitate Hashem in this world. And that's the goal. The goal is to make Ganeden for other people. The goal is Olam Chesed Yibane. The point is to build a world of Chesed. Olam Chesed Yibane. The world is built on Chesed. So the flood was not a punishment. It was a result. It could not sustain itself anymore. And the fabric of the world was chipped away till there was nothing left. So that I think is the first framework of this season right now. As you begin this Parsha, as you begin these Parshas, Bracious Noah, is to think that the framework of the world is Chesed. And everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu does in these Parshas is to bring Chesed to the Avos and the Imahos. To teach them about tefillah, to teach them about prayer, to build them up, to teach them how to create a nation, how to create a people. It all follows one to the other. Okay, That's idea number one I wanted to share with you. Second introductory idea I want to share with you. And by, by the way, the conclusion of the first idea is that our Torah is a Torah of Chesed. Which means that if you're learning it and not becoming a better person, you're not learning it. You're not learning it. Because that's the whole goal. The whole goal is to become just a better, better person as you move in. The more Torah, the better person. It's not an academic study, right? It, it, it's about becoming better. Now, the first Rashi is the most famous Rashi in the entire Torah. I think, one of the most famous. Turn to the top of page four. Rashi, in the beginning. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Lo hayat tzarech lahatchil et Torah. Why did the Torah begin with the stories? It should have began with the mitzvah of commanding. Uh, the whole point of the Torah is mitzvahs, right? Mitzvahs, mitzvahs, the 613 mitzvahs. It's our law book. If the whole point of the Torah is that it's our law book, why is it starting with stories? Creation and Abraham and Sarah. Why is it starting with that? So the answer of Rashi is Mishum Koach Maisav Higid He wanted to tell us the power, his power to his nation, because the nations of the world may say, "You stole this land," and therefore we could show, we could prove this is our land because we follow the story. So sidebar, just as a side note, this wasn't the point of why I'm bringing it in. When was the last time any uh, you know Palestinian uh, debate we ate, we were able to calm down with uh, Rashi at the beginning of Chumash? <laughs> like take a look right here. You missed. You didn't read Rashi. You would have would have been fine. So that's a misreading of Rashi. Rashi never said you'll prove to them. Rashi said Koach Masav Higid Liamo. It's for you to know. The mistake is when a Jew doesn't know this is their home. You have to know first. Forget the world right now. If a Jew understands that this is my home, this is my place, this is my people, this is my Am Yisrael, it's a much different um, argument that one is making instead of just a, a debate of ideas. But it's, this is my home, this is mine. You have to know first. But there's something deeper here I learned um, that I saw in Simchat Torah that I want to share with you that sheds light on what this means, why we start with all these stories. Noah, the flood, Abraham. Why start with the stories? So I don't know if anybody has seen um, or is holding in Lahavdil um, in X-Men. Okay, so let me just give you background. X-Men is the guy, you ever see the bald guy in the wheelchair who takes, who takes people who are mutants, something's wrong with them, and he teaches them how to use their genetic mutation to better the world. He teaches them how to use better the world. So I saw one writer put it beautifully. This guy Gibbons, he wrote it beautifully. He said that Professor X did not change these mutants 
by giving them a book. He changed them by entering into a relationship with each of them. That's how he changed them. He built them up by building a relationship um, with them. Uh, what's it called? What she says, what's it? Maya Angelou's got a great line. I'm going to botch the quote, but it's something in this realm. Maya Angelou said that um, a, student, um, a student won't remember what we taught them, but they will remember how we made them feel. Right? It's a great idea. That at the end of the day, um, what you remember is what you stick to, what you connect to, is the relationship, not the material. The material secondary. Um, I always say it's a very hard thing in school. We want to teach our kids the ideas of having this great general knowledge. But if it's not coupled with a knowledge of what they're about, what it means, then it's just it, it's it's rote memorization. It won't go anywhere. It won't it won't do them any good past maybe ninth or tenth grade. It, it, it needs to be coupled at some point. You got to teach skills, but at some point it's got to be coupled with understanding what's my relationship to that information, what's my relationship to that content. So therefore, says the Koyden of Rebbe, why do we need to start with the stories? What's Rashi really telling you? Rashi's really telling you that you need to start with the stories is because you need to find your faith in Hashem and the purpose and the land and what it's all about and only then will the mitzvah stick. You understand? We seem to read Rashi on a simple level that he's giving you like a proof for Israel arc advocacy. So you should know it's our land. Koyden is saying it's deeper. It wants you to have a relationship with your people, with your God, with your land. And once you have a relationship with your people, with your God, with your land, then all the mitzvahs afterwards make sense. Even if you don't know the reason, they make sense. It's part of what my people do. It's part of my history. It's part of my part of what, what we, we fought for all these years. Without the story, none of it makes sense. It's just data. It's information. It's rules. Without the story, none of it connects. Without the relationship, we don't connect to the mitzvahs. And that's what the Koyden of Rebbe says with this. With that idea, we're going to use it to answer a, a real devastating question. This is from the Rambam's Mor Nebuchim. Rambam's Mor Nebuchim is called, there's a, there's a debate how to translate Mor Nebuchim. It's either guide to the perplexed or guide for the perplexed. There's differences. Trust me, there's huge differences in how you translate the title. But either way, look at the question he raises. Let me give you a background. For the Rambam, in his philosophy... The ultimate is knowledge, wisdom, to know God. For him, Gan Eden, right? Um, in, in eighth grade hashkafa with the girls, we always have a series on what's the afterlife like. I can guarantee you every year the eighth graders ask me what goes on in the afterlife, the girls specifically. Number one question asked by eighth grade girls is what happens in the afterlife. Don't ask me what the boys ask most. Now, um, the demons, they love them about demons. Are there demons, Rabbi? Uh, okay. So now in Guide to the Perplexed, the Rambam's number one is wisdom, knowledge. To know God is Ghanai. It Afterlife. Olam Haba is where you just contemplate with wisdom. That for the Rambam is the highest level. Okay, so listen to the question the Rambam raises. Some years ago, a wise man asked me an important question. Both the question and our answer deserve close examination. Said the questioner, the plain meaning of the text would seem to indicate that God's original plan had been that man should be like the rest of the animals, with no intellect or reason, or distinction between good and evil. Meaning they were not supposed to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Which means if they were not supposed to eat from it, the intent was they're supposed to be people with no knowledge. Like robots or like animals walking around. That's what it sounds like, says the Ramam. If you want them away from the tree of knowledge, it sounds like you don't want them to have that knowledge. Keep them innocent, simple, very naive, not knowing anything. But the problem is, 
possession of that consciousness which we have, good and evil, is the noblest of all human faculties. It's the essential characteristic of human beings. It's baffling that the punishment for Adam's rebellion should raise him to a pinnacle of perfection. It's a wonderful question. If they were not supposed to gain knowledge and now after the sin, man knows between good and evil, distinguishing between good and evil and having that ability is one of the greatest things that humanity is capable of. You rewarded him for sinning? The whole thing doesn't make sense. Rambam raises an amazing question. If the whole purpose of creation, everything is about us being able to distinguish, us being able to have das, us being able to have knowledge. Yet before, they were not supposed to touch the tree. So what happened? Our punishment became, you know what, I'm going to punish you guys. I'm going to give you the greatest treat ever. What does that mean? Rambam says, what does that mean? So I share with you the following answer. There's another food that we were supposed to eat later on in the Torah. Anyone know what that food is that we were supposed to eat? What other food were we supposed to eat? So nowadays, the only eating that we have that's actually from the Torah is the eating of matzah. But there was something we were supposed to eat day in and day out while we were in the midbar, and that was the manna. The manna. Why were we given the manna? Why not just cause the midbar to sprout vegetation? And think, why are we given the manna? Look at page 5, source number 8. You should remember this way that God has taken you. Forty years in the wilderness. To test, to see if you know what is in your heart. Will you keep her mitzvahs or not? Will you keep his mitzvahs or not? Okay. He gave you some hunger and then he fed you the man which you never knew of before. You never, your fathers never knew about this. Why? To give you knowledge. The purpose to eat the man was to let you know what God is all about. This is the answer to the question. Meaning, what do we say from the Koyden of Rebbe about Rashi? The Rashi say about Rashi? That what's the reason we start with stories before the mitzvahs? How does the Professor Xavier teach his mutants? Not through the books and the rules, but rather through the experience, through the story. The reason why they could not eat from the tree, the eight sadas tovarah, is because they would gain all the knowledge. They would have. But God is telling us, knowledge without the experience is dangerous. So God said, I need to wait till you experience life. Till you go out into the Midbar, till you have Har Sinai, till you leave Egypt, till you suffer in Egypt, till you see my miracles, then you're ready to eat food that's going to give you the knowledge. Then you're ready to take in things that's going to give you the wisdom. It, it, it's a tremendous insight in the sense that um, information is neutral. You know, like in, in Nazi Germany, um, we're talking about one of the most well-educated societies in the history of humanity up until that point. It didn't make them more moral. Knowledge does not make you ethical or moral. It's what experience is associated with that information in that content. And if the information in the content does not come with an informative experience, then it's useless knowledge. It's literally, and not only useless, it may in many places make you, uh, make, make you worse. You understand? If, someone's, if someone is, is, doesn't have any knowledge, doesn't know how to build an atom bomb, those who are the most brilliant are capable of, of wreaking the most havoc. A, a brute savage who is just a, you know can't think is very limited in the in the devastation they can cause. Yes, they can strap a bomb to themselves, 
but someone who's a brilliant thinker could plan things that no one could see coming and could leave devastation for years later. So it's not the knowledge, it's not your brilliance, it's it's the experience that comes with the knowledge. And that's why they could not eat from the tree yet. You were not ready. You had no experience. So you're going to gain all this wisdom. You'll, like, I always think about it. You ever see in the movie Matrix, they just plug in a thing into the ear and all of a sudden they downloaded how to be a black belt in like uh, Taekwondo. I always wondered if one day we're going to get those like uh, chips that we could just put in and know everything, right? But the answer is it's useless. They may make it, but it's useless to us. Because a Jew believes that knowledge without experience is, is, is setting you up for failure. Uh, frustration and failure. Uh, a parent asked me last night about what they tell their children about why we ought to be learning um, why we ought to be learning Gemara or Torah or Chumash. Why do we need it? What's it going to do for my life? Right? What's it going to do for my life? And, and the question is an accurate one: that if you're not teaching um, the context of how this is valuable and what this is going to do for you, then one can never draw from it. One can never gain from it. Um, so, for example, just a quick answer off the bat. I mean, the Talmud has so many details of back and forth and this and a and an animal falling here, an animal falling in a rose patch, right, in, in someone else's property, or an animal ramming into someone else's animal. There's pages and pages of Gemara on this. How is this relevant in any way to our lives? Because the sensitivity that one needs to learn of how we treat other people's property is relevant when you're backing up your car and you smash someone else's car. The, the care, if you know the Talmud spends 20 pages on caring about that, you understand that when you do that, regardless of who's going to file for insurance, you understand the sensitivity that's required when having it. Every page of the Talmud is like that. I always argue you can, take, you can give the most abstract, esoteric piece of our law, and it all has relevance to our lives. The example I like giving is the example, there's, a, there's such wacky letters that were written in the 1600s, 1500s, and you're wondering, this is what they spend time on. There's a discussion whether you can count for a minion, um, a golem. A golem is like a mythical creature created by Kabbalah. Can you count them for a minion? Okay, so let's say we accept the premise that there was a golem in history, there were golems in history, right? By the way, almost all proof indicates the Maral never had a golem. Just by the way, separate, never had a golem. It drives people crazy when they hear that because like their world is shattered. But the Maral wrote, Maral wrote 55 books, never spoke about it once. And we know how the golem thing started for the Maral. But the Gemara talks about there being a golem, and Avram used to create a golem for the Sefer Yetzirah. Anyways, in the 1600s and 1500s, they were writing letters about, can you? what if you kill a golem? Are you responsible? Like, wh who cares? You know who cares? Because we're 50 years away from cloning human beings. And when we clone a human being, everyone's going to be running around like chickens without a head, wondering what is their status. Are they humans? Um, what if we, can we count them to a minion? Can we, if someone harms them, if uh, there's so many ethical questions, that's the only thing they can do it now. We're just stalling the process because we don't know how to answer all these ethical questions. A Jew has the answers. You go back to all those letters from the 1500s and 1600s and understand how it treated a creature that was created like a human, not through the natural godly process, and you have your answer. Yes, you have to be sensitive. Whatever it is, my point, it's not my, my point being the Torah is relevant in every situation and the experiences and a person needs to find those experiences meaningful in order for it to stay with them in their lives. Next idea. Turn to the back, source number 10. Turn to the back. There's a lot of destruction in the Torah. There is. Let's, let's be honest. There's, uh, 
God creates a Gan Eden, kicks Adam and Chava out of it. Uh, he has Cain wandering for all these years. There's a whole beautiful world that's created. Flood takes the whole thing down. Um, there's a Medrash that says God created the seven world seven times and then took down the world. Rosh Chodesh is the concept of renewal, everything falling down. What's this all about? I saw a teaching from the Radomsker, Rav Shlomo Radomsker, Hasidic Rebbe, that is so good. Like, I could see the Radomsker sitting across Lahavdil from Oprah, telling this to her, and her nodding like, wow. You know when she does that nod when it's like so deep, she's processing it? This is this is one of those. So listen to what he says. Kasher bechina zehat simtsum. See, God did it himself. When he created the world, God is so complete, there is no room for a world. There's no space for a world, because God is everything. So he was mitzamtzeim v'siwa ka'oros lamala. He constricted himself above. He minimized himself, so to speak, so that there should be room for a world. Right? If someone is so dominant and doesn't make room for other people, you need to pull back, scale back, and make room for others to be. So he, when God did that, collapsed himself to allow for a world to be, remember, everything God does, we said at the beginning of this year, is for us to learn from and to figure out what we're supposed to do with it in our life. What do we do with this concept of Simpson? What we learn from it is, we need to learn how to do this as well. Sometimes we go through a destruction so that we can better rebuild. Um, an analogy, I saw someone who was sick and they couldn't get over a certain condition. The medical treatment that was recommended for them was to completely shut down their immune system. Completely shut it down. It's a dangerous process because you, you, you subject yourself to all kinds of sicknesses. But the concept is you shut it down completely so that you could rebuild it and reboot it. And and the next time around, it's stronger. The same idea here, the Radomsker is saying, that God is telling us through Tzimtzum that sometimes in your life you're going to have destruction, you're going to have Churban, but you need to learn how to take that Churban and make something of it. I put the quote in my Sefer on top there from Maximus, Lahavdil. Maximus writes, ruin is the road to transformation. Okay, ruin is the road to transformation. That That falling apart is the beginning stages that allows the realness for the person to become who they need to be in this world. Without that, they never would have became that. They never would have emerged into that. And it needs that. The seed needs to decompose before it could ever produce a flower. Before it could ever produce a flower. And that's what the Radomsker is saying, the Tiferet Shlomo. That God's symptom, God's constricting of himself, is a lesson to everyone. If God can collapse himself and use that to make a world... You have to see your own collapse as the ability to now create the world around you. And that's, I think, a profound teaching to begin Bereshus and Noah with, um, to see it in this way. So I'm going to give you one more idea after this. I just want to review what we've said so far. The first theme that we've traced is that the world is built on chesed. Olam chesed yibane. The flood was not a punishment, it was a consequence. Um, the world is built on chesed, and our job is to create heaven for everyone, is to create Gan Eden, to yutzer Gan Eden l'acherem, is to make Gan Eden for other people. That's your primary responsibility. We learned that the Torah is a Torah of chesed. Its beginning is chesed, its end is chesed. Because it's telling you the main and dominant motif of the Torah is the chesed you do, not about yourself. And and we said, once you understand that, um, that it's about uh, making the world better, it's about making chesed, if it doesn't change you, then you haven't learned Torah properly. That was the second idea. 
So first day of the Olam Chesed Yabana. Number two is understanding that this Chesed is the framework for the entire Torah and our purpose from it. The third idea we talked about was the idea we got from Rashi is the reason for all the experiences is because knowledge without experience is devastating, it's dangerous, it's meaningless. Um, and that's why we could not eat from the tree yet because we didn't have experiences to go along with our knowledge download. And the knowledge download is only significant if you're going to gain with it the experiences that come with it. I mean, it comes to mind. Um, excuse me for all these refer- the references, but they're, just, they're there. Um, we'll have the Goodwill Hunting. It's one of the greatest moments in any movie. One of the greatest moments in any movie is you have this guy, Will Hunting, who's this genius of a kid. Genius. Real, like, beyond, beyond measure. And he's talking to Robin Williams, who is the um, psychologist. And he doesn't want to listen to anything Robin Williams has to say. And then Robin Williams just loses it on him in one of the greatest speeches ever. He turns to him and he says to him, what are you? Like, you, you, you think you know art, but you've never smelled the paint on the Sistine Chapel. Um, you've, he has that great line in there. He says, you think you know all the answers to biology and medicine and chemistry, but you've never once had to sit by your wife's bedside in a hospital knowing that the uh, rule of closing time uh, does not apply to you. Um, it, it's an amazing remark that you can have all the knowledge in the world and it's meaningless without the experiences. It won't stick without the experiences. The third idea we saw was from the Redumsker that there's a lot of caving in at the beginning of the Torah, uh, coming down, and, and it's really an analogy, life as a house. Um, God himself uh, is mitzamtzim himself because ruin is the road to transformation. Want, ruin is the road to transformation. Therefore, I want to share with you one more thought. This comes from Rav Yaakov Adas. Rav Yaakov Adas is a Mekubal in Yerushalayim. Very intense. Uh, you can see a video of him lying down in front of the Kotel screaming at the skies. Uh, very, very intense uh, individual. So Rav Yaakov Adas um, has thousands of pages of writings. So I saw that he wrote, he quoted the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon on Sifre de Tzniusa is a, par- is a part of the Zohar. The Vilna Gon writes that every single part of our lives, called Prat Prat, called Klal Vakal, every detail and everything that ever we're ever going to go through is, is there in the Torah. It, it's all there. It's all there in the Torah. And the Vilna Gon was famous for unlocking the mysteries of your lives, seeing it within the Torah. So Rav Yaakov Adas says, what do we take away from this teaching of the Vilna Gon? What are we supposed to do with it? Look for like the gematria of our name. Like, what are, we, what are we supposed to do with this? You know, like people who find afterwards, see uh, uh, the, the, you know, Netanyahu's there and Veschana. Like, like, what are we supposed to do with this kind of Bar Torah? It says Rabbi Yaakov Adas something amazing. He says, because when you get to a portion of the Torah that talks about the splitting of the sea, understand that you and your life are going to face a situation where you think there is no way out. I'm trapped. I'm stuck. And just when you're about to give up, you step forward and your sea splits. That's what Rabbi Yaakov Adas says. Yaakov Adas says that the Vilna Gon is telling you everybody's story is in the Chumash. Everything you're ever going to go through, every struggle you're going to have. We are such a fortunate people. Ashrechem Yisrael. Praiseworthy is the people who have such a book where everything is there. You know, someone once asked, I saw a question the other day in one of the books I was reading about Judaism talks a lot about how we bring the concept of chesed and, and chesed to the world. So someone said, yeah, but um, Buddhism doesn't bring kindness and acceptance to the world, and this religion doesn't bring kindness. Correct. Yes, it does, it does, it does and it did. The difference is Judaism brings to the world all these ideas. You have a book that all these ideas are there together. The meaning of experience over just knowledge. The meaning of chesed above all. Olam chesed The idea of survival after collapse. 
Every great idea that you'll find in wisdom all over the place, it's all in one narrative. It's all there in the Kamisha Chum Torah. It's all there. No other tradition has every single great idea contained in one place. And that really is the message of the Torah. Now, Vilna Gon says everything you're going to go through is there in that Torah. Everything you're going to go through and struggle with um, is there in the Torah and you need to find your story. So then I would say there are three broad themes that we should open up the Torah with as we go into Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan. We're starting the reading from the beginning. You open up the Torah and you look for chesed throughout it. Number two, you try to relate to the experiences. Draw on your experiences. Connect to those experiences so it sticks to you. And number three, understand that your story is in that story. That story is my story. Our personal story, our collective story. And I think those are three reference points by which we should use to open up the Torah anew um, this coming year. Everyone should have a great Rosh Chodesh. Happy Rosh Chodesh.